Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Trip Mitchell, and each and every week I am joined by the best newsman ever to come out of the state of Utah. Ah, Terry Wood, good to see you. Terry Wood, yeah. <laughs> Randall yeah, Carlisle. Dick Norris here. Yeah. <laughs> Randall, it is such a pleasure each and every week to get it's a chance great. to meet some I, amazing people in the recovery community. I apologize for my voice. I have a chest cold. You. So my voice is deep. You sound like a anchor man at the mighty CKLW there you in go. Windsor, like Ontario. I used to be, yeah. I always joke when, I, when my voice gets deep like this because of a cold. I always wanted to sound, the guy I always wanted to sound like was the announcer who does the thing for um, Law and Order SVU in the criminal justice system. (laughs) (laughs) That guy got a lot of work. Well, he, I mean. We'll digress for a second here, but Law and Order was a TV series, and you're young, so you won't know this, and we're going to introduce you in just a second. Law and Order did 43 different spinoffs. And it was a TV series set in the East Coast, and at the end of the run, it employed 8,220 actors over the course of the whole thing. Wow. People, that was their only and TV And it's still team. in reruns everywhere, so a lot of money there. Yes, it, yeah. yes, indeed. Well, the purpose of this show is yeah, not to talk not about to. esoteric broadcasting, but to talk about recovery and how there's so many amazing people in the state of Utah who are there for you, your friend, family member, anyone who's been hit by addiction, whether it be drugs or alcohol. And both Randall, Lee, and I, who put this show together, we're all volunteers. Randall and I are members of AA, and we've seen what addiction can do, and this is our small way of giving back to the community and trying to let people know that there are answers. And Randall, after retiring, after 52 years in the news Something business, like that, yeah. you've had a chance to work for Odyssey House, and you love it. I, it's the best job I've ever had. Uh, I can honestly say that. It's just... Because Odyssey does a lot of good things in the community, changing people's lives, and it's and I one of the things I like, and I'm not demeaning TV, is it's a nonprofit, and TV is very much a for-profit oriented business. Well, unless I run know. a station, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, then they're nonprofit. Ian upset. He he, <laughs> he drives a Subaru or something. So, now, uh, no offense to Subaru owners, but. Uh, it's just, to me, it's very fulfilling. And I go home and I sleep very soundly at night uh, because I know we're doing good work. And it doesn't work for everybody, but it's an outlet for people who are seeking to to reclaim their lives. And, and to be a little part of that, really small part of it, is, is really fulfilling. And Odyssey House is an amazing program, and we're going to have someone in just a second talk about how great it is. But there are maybe not. You yeah, don't know. Okay. Yeah, we we well, we did the in the green room. We talked. I think this is going to be a very smooth show. You and I don't have to get involved. <laughs> but there, Odyssey House is great. If you don't have the resources, they can take care of it. It it fits a whole wide range of incomes and that sort of thing. But there are other great facilities, other great people and programs, and that's what we talk about in this show. And we're going to put a phone number up at the bottom of the screen right now. If you've got someone that you're worried about, including yourself, picking up the phone and calling and talk to someone who's an expert in the field is the smartest thing you can do. Because when something's your problem, the second you tell someone else, it's their problem as well. And one of the hardest things to do is admit you have a problem, as we all know. So, And since we are on podcasts, audio only, that 
number at the bottom of the screen doesn't mean much, does it? So if you can see it, you've probably been drinking too much. Okay. It's, <laughs> if it's, you're listening to the podcast and it, you can see our number on the website. 801-322-3222. Okay. Boy, that sounds... Can you do some voiceovers for yeah, me? I, I've I got will. an audition yeah, but, but the deep voice is going away after a day, so... Okay, well, okay. we're concerned. And the other thing, too, about Randall retiring from the news business, he still puts on makeup every morning going into Odyssey House. <laughs> if, if, if you're just listening, I gave a dirty look to Trip. okay? <laughs> but it was oh, just a dirty look. It yes. not indicate that I was number one. <laughs> Who do we have today for our guest? Wendell is uh, one of our clients. Uh, he, he's in our adult house. And I got to meet him uh, was it last week? I think yeah, it was. Thursday. We take uh, two clients from our various houses to VOA detox facilities once a week to talk to the people who are sitting there, not necessarily to recruit them, but to have them under because they're at a stage where they're just going through detox, to let them know what kind of treatment is available. And so we take our, our clients and different clients every week, and we don't we don't prompt them to say anything. They're just there to answer questions because there's a lot of concern and interest and, and uh, you know, whatever of somebody who's going through detox at the time. And Wendell came last week and I was so impressed with his story and how he's doing in Odyssey House that I invited him to be on this podcast. So, Thank you very much. Wendell, thanks for coming out. Yeah. So you've had an interesting story. We talked a little bit about it prior to the show. You have not had the easiest route to get to where you are right now. Can you start out and give us kind of a little backstory about how you found drugs or alcohol? Well, I mean, other than like my upbringing, you know, it's always been in my life. Um, I think when it comes down to like really wanting to change my life, I, I, you know, I started taking hold of it in like around 2012, around 2011. Um, I was just sick of the lifestyle, man. You know, I know I'm better than that. And um, I, was, I was pretty much at hit rock bottom with myself in life. Um, up to that point, you know, I was about 27 years old. I'm 34 today. Um, today? I, today. Well, 33, sorry. I'm, I turned 34 in like a week. Okay. Two weeks. Happy so. birthday ahead thank of time. You, thank you. Um, and you didn't, probably six or seven years ago, you didn't think that 34 was a lock. No. No, six or seven years ago, I didn't think I'd even be alive, honestly. Um, so, yeah, with that, um, I think it's, you know, what kind of dawned on me is just the way my lifestyle had impacted other people and that I had actually really felt bad for, like, doing what I had done, you know. Um, but also, too, it's the reflection part where you start to understand who you are and you see yourself in the raw. I mean, like, hitting rock bottom, it's different from everybody, you know. My version of it was... Um, like, just the lifestyle, man, selling drugs, you know, embracing it. I, at that point, I didn't even have kids, and so since then, it's even hit me even harder, you know. Um, my daughter's four years old, and I, I love her with all my heart, man, and, and so um, I, I believe anyways, I give my recovery all that I, all that I have and some because of that. I don't, I don't want that to be a, that, that practice that I was kind of raised up to believe to be any practice that I want to pass on to her generation, you know. Um, but, yeah. One of the things that struck me when you were talking about your story was the fact that you grew up in a family where drugs was acceptable. So right. it wasn't like 
I mean, you, you hear a lot of families saying, you know, that's not acceptable. Can you sort of elaborate a little on that? Well, I mean, when it comes down behind, like, certain practices and, 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 and culture within families, I mean, yeah, you know, smoking weed and drinking was, was something that was accepted in the house, you know, as, uh, as family. Um, to even speak on it is kind of hard sometimes because, like, I, I love my family, you know what I mean? I still do. Um, Unfortunately, some of us aren't doing the best. Some of us can do better. And on the other side of it, though, there's... So when do you, as a kid, do you have a conscious memory of people in your house smoking weed and, and drinking? Yeah, you know, and, and it's not... Yeah, yeah, I do. How old were you when you... And did you realize that was wrong? Shoot, I didn't realize that was wrong until I was about 27, 28 years old. Wow. You know, that it had been instilled in me as a kid that, you know, that's just the way things are. This is who we are, you know what I mean? Yeah, and when you were in a situation like that, we've got our next guest coming into the studio. Come on in, have a seat. This is a very relaxed podcast yes, TV is. show. Yeah. But when you were that age and you had, you see people coming into the house smoking weed, drinking beer, it never it seemed like just normal. That's how things right. are done. Yeah, it was it was acceptable. That's what it is. You know what I mean? We all support it, and this is this is how we get through our problems. This is how we get through life. You know, the other side of it was, you know, as I had started growing up, you know, being introduced to that at such a young age, I didn't realize what kind of handicaps I was being introduced to and, and how it had played a big part into, like, becoming an adult. You know what I mean? Um, that's, you know, now that, that's not real life. You know what I mean? As, as an adult, I'm starting to see the responsibilities in front of me as far as, like, you know, just maintaining good jobs. You know, they obviously you get drug tested when you go to a job, you know, smoking <laughs> pot doesn't come out of your system for 30 days. Um, not even just that, though, like... Um, having integrity, being honest, you know, the criminal lifestyle, I feel like that, that that's all a part of the criminal lifestyle, you know, using drugs and, and drinking and uh, overlooking our responsibilities. Um, but even deep down inside, like learning how to be um, just a better person all around in general, you know, like, I, I feel that 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 practice kind of goes. So against. when did you have your first drug? Um, shoot, man. I was smoking pot like at 12 years old, 13 years old. How about alcohol? Uh, I started drinking like when I was like 14, 13. Did you get a lot of flack from your teachers? Did you get a lot of flack from other people that you knew? Oh, yeah, man. I've been in the system pretty much my whole life, um, even up to this point right now. When was it that, so you, you got into the system, um, crime was part of what you needed to stay in drugs, would I would assume. Yeah. What kind of crimes? Um, I have a history, man. Um, a lot of different stuff. Um, possession charges, uh, public intoxication, um, assault, um, firearms charges at a federal level. Um, I've been to state prison like two times. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it kind of speaks for itself, I guess. And after, as you mentioned, when you got to be 27, all of a sudden you realized that this is a pattern that's not going to end well at all. Right. I mean, that's, I, I feel like at the age of 27 is when it kind of really started dawn on me in between like choppy work history and, and, and selling drugs and stuff like that. Like, you know, I wanted better for myself. And, and I think at 27 too, what it was is like some of my friends that I had grown up with were doing a lot better than me as far as like, you know, um, just all around like stability, you know what I mean? Um, 
I didn't have a good work history, and primarily my, my source of income was from selling drugs, you know what I mean? So um, there's the part where like I'm not experiencing the, the, the structure of kind of what being an adult is all about, and I was just kind of living with that. Being antisocial, I guess is what you could say it is. But that's hard to put down on a work resume, isn't it? <laughs> right, right. As a, a frame salesperson because I sold drugs right, all right. these years. That frame you know. references are tough. Right. A lot of the guys you sell drugs to are very reluctant to answer for them, saying that you're very reliable, and if you say right. you're going to be there, you're going to be there. So what was your, uh, you mentioned rock bottom, we've all... We all refer to that in, in, in recovery. What would, what was, was there one specific point that got you to that point? Moon, I feel like I was like kind of losing my mind in certain areas. I just didn't have a grasp on like the real reality of what was going on around me. You know, being 27 years old, still selling dope um, and, and partying every day and night, you know. And I think also a part of it too was like seeing, I had, you know, a part of that crowd of people, there was a younger generation getting ready to come up to, and, um, you know, I just didn't see myself um, progressing in life, you know what I mean? Like, period, like, I was degressing, and then there's the part where it's like, dude, I know I'm better than this, you know what Were I mean? Were you like, homeless at any point? Yeah, as a matter of fact, so, like, I quit I quit selling drugs at, like, about 27 years old and stopped, stopped even dibbling in it, and then, like... I think it was like the best thing I'd ever done for myself because what it did is it didn't like that's what rock bottom became for me is like after I started selling drugs like I became homeless um, and then I struggled after you stopped selling drugs right and I, and I struggled and kind of got back into it a little bit right and then I went to prison for my first time and when I was in prison the first time is when I kind of was able to take that time out and reflect on, on what, what I was doing and, you know, how I had kind of fumbled the ball on it. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I didn't want to sell drugs no more. And then you kind of started selling drugs again. So so what went wrong there, you know? And um, what percent, by the way, we've talked to, Randall's had some amazing guests on the show. And, and some of the people who've been involved with the local county prison say that upwards of 70 or 80 percent of the people that are in jail are drug-related. Would you say that's a fair number on the state yeah. level? Yeah. God, what a... I know. It's incredible. If you could solve that problem, our prisons you know, would be empty. Think about know. that. 70 or 80% yeah. of the people yeah. who go to prison or jail are there on drug-related... From different walks of life. I mean, and that, that's... And not necessarily drug charges, but could be things that drugs cause them to do. Right. That is just astounding. Right. So how did you work your way into Odyssey House then because one of the things I hear about him at Odyssey because I hear people talking about some of our clients and he's a leader in in our adult house and people look up to him so and so you're doing very well how did you how did you get into Odyssey House after after all those years um so I was on federal probation um for 2018 I had gotten out um out of prison was on federal probation um, I started doing really, really good, but there was, and there were some things that kind of got handed to me, like a luck of the draw, like situations and circumstances where like things were kind of in my advantage, like, um, like, like a foundation under me, I guess you could say, but there were some things I didn't agree about. Um, but like, I just came out of a program in, in the prison. And so, like, maintaining recovery, I had to kind of, like, really be on top of things, you know what I mean? Like, okay, so assessing my situation and seeing where I'm at with it and, and wanting to stay sober and, and uh, taking responsibility. But uh, eventually, I, I relapsed on alcohol about after a year of being out. Um, kind of just started really slowly, you know what I mean? Having a beer, 
beer turned into a couple. Next, you know, I'm partying on the weekends. We can relate to that. Yeah, right. It it always starts with one. Yeah, right. Soon followed by two. (laughs) Right. Um, I mean, and and then also too, like with with it being alcohol. I mean, I'm I'm a recovered um, meth and cocaine addict, so I've been clean from that for five years. And like, and it does start for me with alcohol, you know what I mean? And as it progresses and progresses, it turns into other things. Um, fortunately, it did not turn into that, but it, it was alcohol. Um, I, I partied the night before at a friend's house, and then the next day, I was uh, going to take care of a personal client for me. I was self-employed at the time, and uh, I fell asleep at the wheel going to that client on uh, Mountain View Terrace. What, what, uh, corridor, sorry. What uh, was your service that you were going to provide that client? Um, I was, so I, I'm a licensed handyman at Eagle Mountain. Okay. And I was going to do some work on a house out in Grantsville. So I was on uh, the freeway, basically, because I was going to cut through, um, I think Highway 70 it is, that's back there, that goes towards Tooele, from Eagle Mountain. It's, yeah. It's one of the yeah, freeways back there. Yeah. And, uh, but I was on Mountain View Corridor, and that's where I fell asleep. I mean, literally fell asleep. I don't even remember, like, closing my eyes. I actually remember, like, skidding across the freeway, out of the vehicle. Um, I stand up. You know, I had road rash all up and down the back of my head, and my elbow was bleeding. I see my car. It was rolled over. I just kind of stepped off the side of the freeway. All the traffic had stopped. Um, and, yeah, so that they had taken me to the hospital. No broken bones, no fractures. I was really surprised about that, you know. Um, How was the road? Road was fine. So you were skidding across. You didn't do any damage. No, okay. I, I didn't. I, yeah, luckily I didn't hit nobody else. Um, I didn't cause damage to the freeway or nothing like yeah. that. You know, um, and so yeah, uh, they released me from the hospital. Um, I had contact with my probation officer at the time and told him what happened. He gave me about a week to kind of figure things out. I mean, I kind of already had it figured out. You know, I, I was already on probation. You know, and so. This was my third DUI. Um, it had been like close to six years since my last one, but regardless, it was still a zero to five. And so, I mean, those were grounds to kind of send me back to prison, you know. Um, so I uh, went and checked in a week later. You know, I was arrested and taken to jail, basically getting ready to go back to federal prison for violating. Um, the whole process of, of the case took close to about 11 months and when it was all said and done with the DUI, you know, my attorney's like, so what do you want to do, man, you know? Um, you can either go do a couple more months, and then we can let you out on probation, or you can uh, come to drug court, and we can get you in the Odyssey house. And I was, like, thinking to myself, well, you know, like, I, I kind of told him, let me think about it, you know, hung up the phone, gave it a couple days to think about I started thinking about my recovery, man, you know what I mean? Because that's what's important to me is, like, getting that solid foundation back under my feet, you know, getting my mind to where I'm, like, actively... Um, Concerned, you know what I mean? Because obviously I wasn't concerned about yeah. staying sober yeah. beforehand, you know what I mean? And so I felt like what was necessary for me and my and my you know my kids, for that matter, um, was that you know dad needs to get right, dad needs to get better in order to be stronger. So I called back my attorney and said, you know what, let's let's do this drug court, let's let's get me an Odyssey house. And that was how long ago? That was three months ago. Wow, you are doing great at a, if you're in three months in a leadership position. When you were in state prison, you mentioned that you got some good counseling down there. I did. What was the key to that? You know what? I, I believe in all counseling. The key is is truly just honesty, man. It is what you want. You know what I mean? You can get into these programs and you can you can uh, fool some of the people some of the time. You can't <laughs> fool everybody all the time. You know what I mean? And that that's a true statement. Um, you know, in, in a, I guess in a prison environment, 
you know, you really don't have access to leave. You kind of have to, you know. <laughs> well, theoretically, yeah. it works that way. Right. And so, um, just the subjects of like even just being vulnerable, learning how to how to be vulnerable, uh, understanding what humility is. You begin to reflect on that at nighttime in your cell, you know, and then you take that and then, you know, you, you have your therapist that you can talk to about the personal issues you're going through and they can kind of... I didn't realize that the state prisons had those resources. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they do. And it's up to the individual, you know what I mean? Because, you know, they, they don't force it on you. Sometimes they do. Sometimes the, the courts feel that it's necessary that you would do a program to get released. Um, I just jumped into it, really, honestly. I, I was actually uh, IOP'd out. I mean, not IOP, IPP'd. Um, and I was in a county jail, but I was still in prison. And um, I kind of just jumped over the speaker and was like, hey, you want to go to this program? You know, And I was like, yeah, let's go. So they rolled me up, took me to the program. Um, little did I know, it would probably be one of the better experiences I've ever had in my life. Um, I, I embraced it as much as I could, and I learned a lot from it. And actually, I'm still pretty cool friends with a lot of the therapists in there, even today. So, just meeting you, you have a lot of charisma. Have you always been a leader? Is it something that... Yeah, I always have been, I guess, in a negative aspect of things. You know, I was yeah. the guy who, who said, this is this is cool, you need to do this with me, you know what I mean? Let's go sell drugs and party. And, I'd and, buy and, drugs from you. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> and I wouldn't sell them to you. Not yeah, no, well, I'm just good. kidding. No, and um, so yeah, I guess you could say that's always been a characteristic of me. And so now you have kids. Yeah. And you mentioned that daddy's got to get right. Right. Is that something you think about every day? When, just, when temptation comes your way, what are your thoughts? What are your go-to thoughts? Uh, so, uh, before my daughter was here, while, she, while the mother was still pregnant, you know, it took me a minute to realize that I was actually going to be a dad, you know, and, and I started actually participating in unhealthy behavior at that time. I wasn't ready to quit. Um, unfortunately, I did go back to prison around the time that she was born for about three years. And, uh, you know, <coughs> seeing her over over pictures and, and writing letters, calling eventually, I was able to call and talk, um, kind of made me assess where my life was at that time and, and to, even today, you know what I mean? I think about my daughter every day. That's fantastic. Every you know, day. We I mean, refer <coughs> obliquely to Odyssey House and everybody knows it's a behavioral health treatment program. What What things do you actually go through at Odyssey House that have helped you? I mean, what do you... Um, what has helped me so far is like learning how to really be understanding towards other people about like my situations and, and like really seeing the opportunity of being there. I mean, there's just so much that's going on and the principles that guide that program are just like they're real, you know, and they can impact you and on, a, on a higher level than... What some I mean, we're there because we want to get better, right? And and some of us really just don't know how to do that. You know, we don't understand, we can't grasp it because we've either one never been there, never been exposed to that, or we just kind of need the support to learn. We're still trying to learn how to come out of the addiction, you know. And uh, I take that into account every day, just about every situation there, you know. Um, and I I kind of like I, man, I like Odyssey House. I really do, man. The staff are, are genuine. They they want you to do good. They want you to be the best. I mean, unfortunately, recovery isn't always like fun, right? You know, always got a pretty side to it. No, um, and that would be a fair the probably the most fair statement ever in the history right. of the show. I, I like that. Recovery isn't always fun. No, is it ever fun? I, right. You know. Well, yeah. There's fun parts. So there's a part where you get to you know celebrate healthily and, and learn more about yourself and, and validate your experience and 
be thankful for what you have, right? That's the happy part of recovery for me, you know? Um, and that's something I do think about while I'm there and, and going through my experience there, you know what I mean? Like gratitude. Gratitude is a lot. Yeah. And so you're in a situation where things are going great. And first yeah. of all, thanks for coming out and talking to us today. You've yeah. got a heck of a story. How's the rest of your family doing? You had mentioned that some are doing well, some aren't. Um, they're, doing, they're doing good. They're doing good. They're doing well. I mean, at least for what... I'm sure a lot of them are happy for me right now. You know what I mean? So I'm definitely... Uh, can you be a role that. model even to your parents or brothers and sisters, cousins, that sort of thing? Right. And that's kind of like my goal right now in my life is to, to be that role model because, I mean, they're probably not doing the best. They could do better. And, and I feel like if I could demonstrate and come out of like kind of a, a similar situation, then they can do it too. And, and to be that example, I mean, that, for me, that, that sets a lot of responsibility on my part. I would guess that you've thought at least a little bit about maybe getting into counseling and helping people. Is I that have, a fair guess? I have. I bet you'd be pretty good at it. Thank you. I mean, yeah. I. You know what? It's crazy you say that because in Odyssey House, like I'm always that guy that when new people come, I'm always checking with them and seeing how they are. And, and not just to spark conversation to get to know them. I mean, I come back like two days, three days later. You know what I mean? Or even some of the guys that, that kind of like, well, I don't want to be in this program because I don't like think it's for me. You know, I usually try to, like, encourage them just to stick it out and tough it out because there's stuff here, you know what I mean? There, there's so many opportunities to being in this program. You just you just don't see it right now, you know what I mean? This is the hard, this is the part about learning where we disagree, you know what I mean? Like, but uh, rules are there for a reason, and and the it, program was built to, to help us. And, Randall, you see this all the time. Someone comes in, and they're the just having trouble, having trouble. When that light goes on, that's an amazing thing Oh, it to is see. incredible. And it does for some people and others it never does. And they leave. You know, you've seen that. Yeah. People walk out. I'd, I'd be, but probably because of you, there's probably a lot of people who have stayed. You know, because I, I've talked to people who walk out. They We call it leaving against, uh, what, clinical advice. advice. Yeah, LACA. And... Uh, and, and people try to talk them out of it, but sometimes it's just, these rules are stupid, I can't live like this. And this small is things like not smoking, that's a huge deal. Well, yeah, uh, yeah that and, and every other rule that, yeah. it, that exists, you know. So how do you talk them out of it? I mean, I come to you and I say, I'm, I'm done with it. I've been here for three days and people are beating, not beating me up physically, but, but criticizing everything I do. I'm breaking all the rules. What, what, what do you say to me? Well, I don't think it's the advice I can give. I, I believe it's the example that I can show first. Like, and, and a part of that is like connecting with one another. You know what I mean? Like being real with each other. Like this is hard, you know, but we can do this. And, and I'm your friend, man. If you got any questions about anything about the program, you're welcome to come to me. And, and you know, and sometimes just relating at that level with them. Like, okay, this is kind of what I'm dealing with right now. And this is kind of how I get through it. And uh, on a healthy level too, within the means of like the structure of the program, you know. And uh, it's not that bad, and I commend them. I, you know, I always try to commend those people that are in the program, like they're doing good, even though it feels like they're probably not because of like everything coming at them at once. You know what I mean? And like, you know, um, man, that's a good question. You say that because, like, for he, me, he has won a show. Huh? He has right, one, one good question. One good question. To show. Okay, so I've shot my yeah. my oh, limit. Okay. Um, but yeah, just just being real with them and, and helping them understand that like this is the best choice you've made for yourself. You know what I mean? Give yourself a better chance. Just be patient with the program. Believe me, it works. And when you be getting that leadership, 
you know, it's crazy you said this because I just had this talk with a client the other day, you know what really? I mean? Really? Yeah, I told him, like, you know, because he was an older guy, and I was just like, look, you are, like, who we look for your advice in, you know what I mean? Because you've had an, uh, an interesting life, and, like, don't think that you're not being validated right now because here I am to tell you, like, stick around in the program because you have a lot to offer for me to the other guys, like, and we, we look for that as far as, like, direction because in our addiction we've become lost, and... You know, he probably doesn't see that right now, that he could be a leader in the program, but if he sticks it out and actually, you know, demonstrates what it looks like, then you know there's going to be plenty of you guys looking for advice, or women, you know, at that matter. I just hired him to work I, for Odyssey House. I, 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 I mean, Wendell, I've got another job offer. Yeah. How would you like to come work for a TV station? Yeah, I want cool, you man. selling TV time. Yeah. That would be cool. But I think probably you are going to make some amazing difference at whatever you do. I am so happy to have gotten a chance to meet you and for our listeners and viewers getting a chance to hear your story because it's very impactive. And not addiction takes so many different routes. You can grow up in a family where you've got everything going for you, mom and dad are doing great, addiction can hit. It's a disease. It's not a choice. And when Every it happens... Every socioeconomic level, your mother, your father, your brother, sister, cousins, your next door neighbor, and it, it's hitting everybody. It really know. is. And the good news is, is that in the state of Utah, there are so many thousands of people who each and every day are giving among themselves to help people out. And so the number that we give out, Randall works for Odyssey House, as I mentioned earlier, Lee and I do this just to give back in the community, but we're going to put the Odyssey House number up on the bottom of the screen or on the podcast. Our deep-voiced uh, announcer will read in it to you. In the criminal justice no, 801-322-3222. <laughs> and it is a number to call. Please do. Um, the people at Odyssey House are amazing. I've had a chance because of Randall. Lee and I have toured the facilities. They're amazing. Great things happen, and we couldn't have a better person to talk about that. But there are literally many, many great facilities around the valley. Yeah, there are volunteer programs, AA, which not just Odyssey House. I mean, yeah. just if you if you want to get help and you, you accept the fact that you need help, you're right. AA, what USARA, uh, plenty of treatment programs. You know. There's something that's right for everybody if you accept the fact that you need help. And, and that is the key. And if you've got some questions, let's say it's a loved one, uh, uh, please call the number. Find out. The good news is, is that there are so many resources out there to help. And, Randall, doing this show has been so fun because we've, we're up to 20-some-odd shows now. Right. We have met each and every show. We've met guests equally as impressive as you who literally are out there just to help. You know, and you know what I, re- I regret when you know he talks about well at the ripe old age of 27 I decided <laughs> I I needed help I wish I would have decided I needed help at 27 as opposed to 60 you know but, um, but you know what you whatever the time is that you make that call it's the perfect time because prior to wanting to do that in your case at 27 it doesn't work but when you want right. to amazing miracles can happen you go to any program in the world and if you don't want help it's not going to help you that's the nature of the beast and it's funny when you hear stories of athletes or actors those are the people that get forced into it it never works it does but once you make that decision well thanks again you were a great guest Randall get that voice done Um, next week's show I want you to be healthy on because we're going to start taping it in about six minutes okay I will gargle with salt water
Perfect. Well, Somebody said I should do a hot toddy, and I said, I don't think that's a good idea for me. The so, hot is fine. The toddy yeah, is yeah, not. Yeah. I want to thank Lee, our producer, cameraman, director, and whole ball of wax. Thanks so much for everyone. For Randall, I'm Tripp saying we'll see you next time. Thanks for watching.